Welcome to Sideline Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, recapping week 10 of the college football season. Starting off easy, obviously Georgia, another dominant win over Missouri. This Georgia team has been ridiculous all year. It's honestly, it's crazy to think, I think back now, week one, this Georgia-Clemson game, with how bad Clemson is and how that was only a seven-point win for Georgia. It's crazy, but it just shows, you know, the trajectory of how both teams just went completely opposite ways this year. But sticking with Georgia for a little bit, every decade, 10 years or so, we see one of these teams that has a generational type of defense. 2001, Miami. 2011, Alabama. Now, 2021, Georgia Bulldogs. This defense is ridiculous. This this isn't like 2019, Ohio State really good. This is like really really good generational type defense. And I believe that Georgia lost their top two defensive backs uh, to the NFL draft last year, which is insane. I mean, the, the talent level at Georgia has always been really high. They've always recruited very, very well. They just haven't been able to put it together on the field. And this year, so far, it's looking the part. Cincinnati was able to hold on in one of many close games between some of these top-ranked teams this last weekend. That was quite the crazy game with Tulsa coming back, trying to have its chance to tie it, but Cincinnati hanging on with the win. At the end of the day, survive and move on. Cincinnati is still taking care of business by winning these games. Alabama had a win Saturday night as well at home against LSU. This was a game where people were predicting the Crimson Tide to win by 30. And that's a little bit of a crazy spread because LSU still has talent granted another bad year for them ed O coaching staff is done they're out the door but it definitely seemed like that this alabama team overlooked the lsu team that they were playing it didn't feel like lsu's game at all they made it cute they had a chance to win i guess with the hail mary but the penalty and you know if they were able to score on that kicks kick the extra point win the game nonetheless alabama has chinks in the armor and it seemed like that they really overlooked the Tigers here. Oregon escapes with a win at Washington. Started off slow, able to come around and pull off a win up there in Seattle. This Oregon team has been really up and down. We've seen them with probably the best win in football against the Buckeyes, but we've seen them lose to Stanford. Now, you know, there are some variables to take into account, like Joe Moorhead, I believe, their offensive coordinator, did not play. Sorry, did not coach that game against Stanford, which hurt. But we've seen Anthony Brown, their quarterback, be really inconsistent. He had that really bad pass that was intercepted early on in the Washington game this last weekend where he just telegraphed the crap out of it, and it was damn near a pick six for UW. But what is ridiculous is, I mean, the inconsistencies with Oregon. Now, look, I know that they lost their running back earlier this year, but they're still a really good team, and they're also taking care of business themselves. Ohio State also struggled this last weekend on the road at Nebraska. Now, being an Ohio State fan, right, I've been following Nebraska and hearing what people have been saying about them, that their record is not an accurate representation of what the Cornhuskers really are. And in a sense, I agree, but I was not expecting the game to completely play out like that the way it did. So, C.J. Stroud threw for 400 yards, two touchdowns, but had two picks, and 
almost lost a fumble at the end of the game, which really could have put that win into jeopardy for Ohio State. Ohio State did not look good. They could not run the ball. The offensive line, again, did not look great. Ryan Day had some questionable play calling, and C.J. Stroud was really up and down. Now, they were missing their, probably their best wide receiver, Garrett Wilson. I believe he was he's in concussion protocol after he took a big hit the previous week in the game against Penn State. But nonetheless, this Ohio State team is ridiculous on offense, statistically the best offense in the country, and they have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to skill. This wide receiver room is probably the best it'll ever be. And so you can see that C.J. Stroud still threw for 400, but the fact that they were really never able to get into a rhythm, had the one big play by Jackson Smith-Najiba where he took a simple hitch route to the house. Travion Henderson could not run the ball. I mean, we've seen issues now, starting with Penn State. Now we've seen it with Nebraska, who's not that talented of a defense. Issues are starting to progress for Ohio State. Whereas the defense has gotten a lot better and has looked pretty good. The offense has taken a couple steps back. Notre Dame continuing to win, sneaking up people's boards a little bit. I do think the committee might show them a little bit of love in these rankings that come out. I look, at the end of the day, they lost, they lost to Cincinnati. And credit to Cincinnati for that win. But Notre Dame, if they can slowly continue just churning away, keeping the run game going... They can capitalize on some wins here down the stretch. Obviously, upset of the weekend. The Purdue spoiler makers upsetting the Michigan State Spartans, ruining their chance at a perfect season. It is insane how Purdue keeps doing this. This is their second top 10 win of the year. And if they beat Ohio State in Columbus next year, excuse me, next week, they might have the best resume in the country when it comes to wins. Because they would have three top 10 wins, which would be insane. But... Kenneth Walker, Sparty, Mill Tucker, not able to complete the magical run, magical run of the undefeated season and did fall victim yet again of Purdue. Michigan hanging in there. Oklahoma State hanging in there. So now we're starting to see teams drop out a little bit. We're starting to see November take, it, take into account of what it's known for. And we have some big-time games coming up. Just taking a quick look at the Big Ten East. Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan. Newsflash, the winner of that game is going to win the conference and probably make it to the playoff. The Big Ten West is not nearly as good as the Big Ten East. I believe Purdue is now tied at the top of the Big Ten West and could potentially represent that part in the Big Ten Championship game, which is crazy. Wisconsin's up there. I know Minnesota was up there, but they took an L today as well. Wisconsin's starting to come around a little bit, right? They smashed Rutgers 52-3. Just finding their identity again. They also had a little bit of a skid, um, but starting to come back. Speaking of coming back from losses, Penn State with a win today over Maryland. A team that, frankly, I think is a lot better than people give them credit for. This Penn State team looked better than Iowa. And that was Penn State's first loss. Now, Iowa tricked all of us. Iowa's a fraud. But at the time, right, or, you know, Iowa's DBs, the turnovers they create, the hectic on the defensive side, etc. Sean Clifford, Penn State's quarterback, if he hadn't have gotten hurt in that game, Penn State wins that game. Now, they did lose the following week in nine overtimes to Illinois. However, I do think if Sean Clifford, again, is healthy, they might be able to escape that game. And then they could only be with one loss right now and be a top 10 team. 
they were not going to beat Ohio State no matter what, and we've seen that. But we're starting to see paths in the Big Ten open up a little bit. We know that's between Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan in the in the East, and then we can just see who comes surviving out of the West. So I want to take a look at the standings and kind of predict where I think the committee's heads are at right now as we move into a new set of rankings coming out on Tuesday. Georgia at one, obviously. A big gap, and then I do think Alabama's going to hold at number two. I have no reason to believe the committee would drop Bama further down. They did not look good. They had six rushing yards against a 4-4 four and four LSU team, now 4-5. and five. But nonetheless, the committee believes in Alabama. We saw that when they initially ranked them number two last week. I think Alabama holds here. With the loss to Michigan State, Michigan State's dropped out of the three spot. And I do think Oregon slides in there. Oregon, again, hasn't looked great, but continued to win. Went into Seattle, beat UW. You're not always going to blow these teams out. Especially as we get into November, there is something to be said about teams that continue to win week after week after week. And good teams are able to win games when the going gets tough. So I think Oregon moves up to three. Then I think there's a break in separation. And this is where things really start to get convoluted. And we see this year after year that there is always a a fight and arguments over the fourth and final spot in the playoff. Right now, I think the committee goes ahead and puts the Ohio State Buckeyes in that fourth spot. I think fifth, they go Cincinnati. Sixth, Michigan State. And then seventh, Michigan. I stop at Michigan seventh because I do think that those four teams, for the most part, you can kind of scramble, mix up, and place where you want in spots four through seven. Now, the one caveat is Michigan State did beat Michigan and head-to-head does matter, especially because that game just took place a couple weeks ago. So I do think no matter what you do, you have to keep Michigan State ahead of Michigan in the meantime. But look, all those Big Ten teams have a loss. And then you have Cincinnati, who is undefeated, but strength of schedule has not been good. I do think Ohio State gets the nod and almost the benefit of the doubt because of what they've done since the loss to Week 2. Their defense has looked much, much better. You see Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, and that D-line really starting to get some really good production and some sacks in the quarterback. The offense has regressed, but we know the damage that they can do. Statistically, they've been the number one team in the country for a couple weeks. And when they get Garrett Wilson back, get settled in the run game with Travion Henderson, and fix some of the issues with the offensive line, that offense We'll start humming again, and the Ohio State Buckeyes can be a real problem for teams down the stretch. I kept Cincinnati at five. I don't think the committee is just going to bump up another team in front of Cincinnati just to keep them at six. I went ahead and moved Michigan State to six, and that was the only team that I thought could possibly stay ahead of Cincinnati, but... Michigan State, again, one loss, lost to Purdue. Now Purdue has a way of doing these kind of things. But Michigan State was down almost the whole game and tried to fight their way back. But honestly, it was Purdue's game, and Michigan State did not look that great. So I don't think that they deserve to be just outside of the playoff looking in in terms of the fifth spot. But nonetheless, they are ahead of Michigan with that head-to-head win. So I have Michigan at seven. I do think we are all still a little hesitant 
to give proper accolades to Michigan, not only because Harbaugh just seems like can never win a rivalry game, but we've seen this with Michigan. Now, they only have one loss so far, but we've seen Harbaugh's Michigan teams in the past start off really strong, look really, really good, and then fall out in the second half of the year. We are out. We are now in November, so we can see what Michigan can do. Can they beat Ohio State? Can they even represent the West, excuse me, the East, in the Big Ten Championship game? There are things left to be unseen. And so until we get to that point, I don't think people are going to have a lot of belief in Michigan. Oklahoma, I think, stays at eight. The committee has not shown their belief in Oklahoma yet. Now, similar to Ohio State, they have a chance to really improve their resume later on in the season. But with Ohio State, the committee showed, hey, we think you're really good and that you have a chance to show us who you really are. But at the moment, we don't think you're good enough to be in the playoff, which is why they put them fifth in the initial rankings. They had also lost the head-to-head to Oregon. But by putting them right behind Oregon, they were saying, look, we think you're really good and you have a chance to show us who you really are. Not the case with Oklahoma. Oklahoma obviously has their struggles on both sides of the ball. Defensively, they've always been a mess and will continue to be a mess. Offensively, benched Spencer Rattler, brought in true freshman Caleb Williams, who's been a spark that they needed, and he's just a gamer, a playmaker. But again, not a whole not a whole lot of belief with the committee in Oklahoma, and I have no reason to think that they'll all of a sudden bump them up. Nine, I believe you start seeing Notre Dame creep back into the top 10. I'm not saying they have a clear path to get into the playoff at all, but I think with the amount of chaos and how the Big Ten East is going to play out itself, Notre Dame could slowly fight their way back into the conversation if they continue winning and with enough losses from the teams in front of them. And then from there, it gets convoluted again. You start seeing teams like Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, even though they have two losses, they had a win this last weekend. Where do you really stack these teams? Texas A&M is interesting. I'm also curious to see where they keep Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I know that the Bulldogs did lose, but some of these wins do justify their ranking of Alabama at number two. And if you're curious to read more into that, check out sidelineexposure.com. I wrote a little post about that. It's just interesting to see what my thoughts are on why the ranking of those teams in particular did justify the committee's rankings of Alabama at number two. So we get to this point every year, and there's always those scenarios that people play out, and it's always the what if. What if every team wins out? What if Georgia and Alabama meet in the SEC championship game? And what if Alabama beats Georgia? And then what if Oregon wins out? And Ohio State wins out? Oklahoma wins out? Cincinnati wins out? Then you're looking at this nightmare scenario on you. who do you really leave out of the playoff that may be deserving to get in? We do this every year. But it always seems to almost work itself out, in a sense, and teams will lose along the way. Big 10, right? Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. That's going to work itself out. The SEC, I think it might. I do think the committee is starting to set themselves up for a possible, possible discussion, and hang with me here, of a two-loss Alabama team being in the discussion to get into the fourth spot of the playoff. I do think that both teams, Georgia and Alabama, will meet in the SEC championship game. At this point, 
I don't think either team is going to lose a game. Georgia has a loss to give. I don't think they'll lose. I'm thinking, you know, Auburn maybe has a shot to beat Bama just because it's it's at Auburn. Bo Nix is a senior rivalry game, right? But Auburn doesn't look great. Bama doesn't look great as well. But I just don't know how much confidence I have in Auburn in that game. So I really think we can see an SEC championship showdown of Bama and Georgia. And if Bama loses that game, let's say like a tight overtime loss to Georgia, I think the committee might actually discuss, hey, if it comes down to the fourth spot between Cincinnati and Alabama, let's have a conversation about that, which is ridiculous, but I do think that scenario is being set up. Oklahoma has a chance to prove itself. Ohio State or Michigan slash Michigan State have chances to prove themselves. Cincinnati just got to continue to do what they do and hope teams lose. And again, chaos. It's November, but we're at that point. Teams will lose. We can see who bounces back. We can see who has a loss to give. We can see how far teams drop. But I'm definitely curious to see where the committee continues to rank some of these top teams and see how far some other teams have fallen once the rankings come out on Tuesday. I do want to add one quick note on Cincinnati before this episode wraps up. There were quite a few games this last weekend that did not look good for the teams that were favored. Ohio State did not look good. Alabama did not look good. Cincinnati did not look good. Oregon, etc. The list goes on. Spearheading Cincinnati for a little bit. 28-20 win over a Tulsa team that has struggled. Man, people are going to look at that and say, not going to happen, Cincinnati. You guys are already on the outside looking in. You have to be stomping these teams if you want to be seriously considered to snag a spot in the playoff. Now, Cincinnati, it's not easy to continue winning games no matter what conference you're in week after week. I get that. However, there is something to be said about continuing to win in November. Great teams are able to rattle off wins even if they're close games that they should have won by more. For instance, the end of the, the ending of that game was ridiculous. Tulsa and Cincinnati had exchanged fumbles back and forth on the goal line. Cincinnati came up with a big time stop, recovered the ball in the end zone, iced the game with that. That's what great teams do. Great teams are able to rise up and come up with that game winning play. And when it matters the most, come up with those consecutive stops, create the turnover, and escape with a win. Yes, you want to see Cincinnati win that game by more than eight. You want to see them win by 30 and continue their dominance this year to prove to everyone that they can actually compete for a spot in the CFP playoff. However, every game is not going to be easy. Cincinnati's a team that they're undefeated. Everybody's going to give Cincinnati their best shot because they want to be the team to take down undefeated Cincinnati. What Cincinnati was able to do with that goal line stand, create that turnover and win the game, that is what great teams do. Well, that is all for this episode of Silent Exposure. Thank you again for listening. Stay posted for another episode coming out later this week, recapping of what the college football committee's newest rankings are. And I'm excited to see what teams they value more, what teams they value less, and we can recap that as we see that come out later this week. Thanks for listening.